Hello and welcome to Country Roads Confidential here at earsports.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. Today, Wednesday, June 3rd, means one thing, a big day on our website here. I am Mike Casazza, welcoming in Chris Anderson. Chris, the head ball coach, online today, questions and answers. You'll always remember where you were when this happened. Yeah, it should be a fun day, a, a big day. We're proud and excited to kind of bring this for our members, our fans, and and for them to be involved in it. It's it's their questions being answered, not us. Not going to sit here and listen to Mike get dunked on. You guys can can experience it for yourselves this time. Are, so, are you excited to be out of the path of being dunked on? Is, is that why you're excited? I did pull that question out. Um, <laughs> stunning that you won't try to get down past the goalie. Somebody did. Um, it turned in like a list of about 50 questions. I forget what it was. Um, and, and again, we did this so we wouldn't catch him off guard or get him in any trouble or ask him a question that, you know, he just couldn't answer because he didn't know or he wasn't allowed to. That would be bad video. So um, everything went well. And they, you know, kind of agreed to do pretty much all the questions. But the prioritization of the questions was very difficult because um, lots of good questions about football, life, philosophy, reading habits. So be curious to see how many get pulled out of the hat and how many get aired out in the amount of time that we have there. But I think it'll be entertaining. Again, he's a really interesting, clever guy with stuff like this. So I think he's going to come ready to talk and ready to promote the program and all the things they have going for it too. And kind of a unique opportunity to shed some light on, on things because it's been so restrained for so long where everything's kind of been in that narrow cone of focus with pandemic and, you know, just trying to keep things normal, but then, understand this is not a normal situation and not that that gets old after a while but you know there's only so many ways you can tell that story and think of how much traction something like their fifth quarter program got or their jeremy darlow affiliation got and are those major things in a college football program perhaps does the public care about it you know not as much as like spring football or fall position battles but i think we can blend a little bit of the stuff that maybe got a lot more attention due to the environment um, explain that a little bit more, but also actually talk about football and the 2020 season and recruiting and uniform combinations and facility improvements, all the things that are on the list of questions too. So I think it'll be good for everybody and hopefully it just doesn't fall apart uh, and become the worst experiment ever conducted. Yeah, that would be nice. I, I it, It's strange, the timing of it all, just like you were just talking about it. And it got me thinking like, is this really, is this, not to, it's going to sound like I'm trying to promote our thing here, which I always am, but is this going to be like the start of the season? Is that the kind of vibe you would get or the start of the new year? Usually that comes in the spring or like as you approach the spring game or right after, it feels like you're you're kind of catapulting into the next season with some of those interviews or at a certain point during that. And obviously we didn't get that because of all the pandemic. And yeah, he met with the media, but like you said, a lot of it was just, Let's talk about the pandemic. Let's talk about what we're not doing, what you're not doing, what those players are trying to do but may not be doing and when they might be back. And now this might be now that we have dates, return dates, um, and football is looking more and more like it's going to happen um, with very little, very few hitches in the schedule, the actual schedule, you know, attendance and stuff still got to be figured out. But there's going to be, like you said, legit conversation about 2020 West Virginia football and the roster and what's going to happen. And I think it's a, a point of the year where a lot of people have been waiting on. And 
uh, kind of exciting to have it on our site. So this is the green light for the preseason. Is that what you're saying? I think so. I think we move right past that. I, I, maybe it's partly because we don't have summer camps, recruiting camps. That's always a thing that once we get past that last one, then I feel like we kick it right into uh, fall camp and there is no recruiting camps there. And this is kind of the first discussion really about next year. So I'm, I think we're ready to start preseason. Let's roll. I like it at the outset of this whole quarantine. I can remember that I had banked a number of stories from the two practices we got, I think maybe one or two media availability windows that we were allowed to use. And, um, and, and found myself writing about Sam James sophomore season um, and what Jared Parker could be expected to um, influence or otherwise affect during his first season. And, and just like these kind of nominal stories about football and it didn't feel right because it was really backburnered at that time. And there were so many more things about just the everyday function of athletic department that seemed more important. Man, those got old after a while. <laughs> like, you can only write so much stuff about that before it takes a toll on you because, I mean, I'm not rooting for sports to be canceled at all. I mean, and the reason that you and I do this is, like, we really do like sports and writing about it, too. And you kind of have that that hunger for it, and it's kind of coming back. And like I said, um, you, you saw the finish line, and I wonder if on some level people are kind of guilty of pulling it toward them a little bit just to make it arrive faster. And perhaps that's why we're all on campus so quickly and dramatically again. But um Man, if it does work out, everybody's going to be really happy. So, yeah, this is something that kind of gets people thinking more excitedly or more comfortably or more willingly about the football season. Hey, I'm happy to do my part there. That's okay, right? Yeah, I think so. And I'm I'm excited to see uh, some of his answers to some of these questions. Like you said, a lot of good questions from from the fans out there. So this is a nice change of pace um, to, to hear what he has to say. We will not resolve the hot sauce biscuit question, though. Oh, are you kidding me? That wasn't put right near the top. I'll tell you what, our next fan club meeting, I'm going to order that for him and then pass him the hot sauce and see what he does. Oh, my God. I cannot, I, I'm i just stunned. This is one of those times where I just assumed that that was kind of standard uh, among most everyone. But to find out that not only is that not the case, but I might be in the minority of, of people uh, that like hot sauce on their Biscuits and gravy is, is blowing my mind. I've been in a bubble, Mike. I've been in a bubble. <laughs> You're on the island right there. It's okay. Yeah. Speaking of um, bubbles, football players back sooner than later. Um, football coaches can start rolling in on Monday, um, a two-week window where they can come in. And then in the middle of that two weeks, the 15th is the first day that the players can come back. It's voluntary workouts. It's kind of um, loosely organized right now. Like you can have the strength coaches virtually observe you. They announced all these measures last week, you know, weight equipment outside. That'll be pleasant in July. <laughs> and then, you know, sanitize things, wear masks all the time. Um, it, I'm, I'm paying attention to the schools that got back on campus on Monday and I've read some things and I've gone on our boards and I've talked to some people I know at some of these places and very uneasy and very concerned about stuff because um, I don't know if it's other headlines or if it's just the fatigue factor, but it seems like it's on the back burner of our minds a little bit. Maybe it's not the most important thing. And I think when you give everybody the um, the go ahead to come back, you think, hey, it's all clear. Not necessarily the case. There's a lot of like protections and, and provisions that have to be put in place and then adhered to. And uh, I think that's the focus for West Virginia, but somewhat of a plan that needs a little bit more detail. And I think that they'll get to that, obviously, before they let people back. But 
what do you think of phasing in coaches, phasing in players, kind of overlapping one with the other, then uh, also putting in, you know, hey, testing 72 hours before uh, procedures in place for a positive test that includes treatment in the quarantine and a whole bunch of things about sanitization, um, social distancing, not just weight rooms, but also meeting rooms and common areas too. Um, as thorough as you can get, although there are some blind spots that I think they'll discover and clear up. Yeah. Uh, the phase in obviously makes sense. Coaches in first, get everything set up, go through some training, go get testing. Cause it, it's not just coaches. Obviously it's a lot of trainers. I mean, how many people are we talking about here when we're talking the full staff? Obviously we're not talking about just the uh, 10 assistants and the head coach. We're talking uh, a handful of analysts, a handful of GAs, a handful of uh, student interns at you know, every single position on the field, a bunch of trainers that it, it's it's more people than I think the average fan might realize. Uh, so that's a lot of people coming in that have to adapt first. And then the players, obviously, you're talking about 100 kids um, from all over the country. So they have to phase that in and, and do all the testing, the cleaning and stuff. And, and I think some of those protocols, it, at least for me, I, I'm not I'm being somewhat stringent with these things, but probably not as crazy as not crazy, crazy is a bad word, as stringent as uh, the football team will be, the NCAA is mandating or the Big 12 is mandating. But you might just kind of get used to it after a while. It might become kind of a, quote, new norm. And I hate when people say that. But a lot of that stuff, I always have hand sanitizer with me now. I The, the six feet away thing I was doing beforehand, I don't like to get close to people. I don't know about you, but um, I think you'll find that um, – some of these guys will find that this will just be the new norm and cleaning the weights is maybe that's a good thing. And, and seeing all the sweat all over everything, every time you go to the gym, um, maybe we should have been doing that a long time ago. So I think that kind of stuff players and staff members will get used to, and it'll kind of become the new norm and, and not much of it, you know, after a vaccine or whatever, uh, when they try to push things back to normal, get full fans, some of that stuff will stick around after. Yeah, I think that's probably a good way to put it too, and it would be a bad idea for some of that. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be an exercise in patience, I think, and probably frustration as well. I think you're gonna have steps back because maybe someone isn't doing something right, or maybe they discover that something could be done better, and it's gonna take some time to redo stuff. I think that's natural too. I, I would hope that a lot of schools are are cross referencing and coordinating with one another. Um, hey, this worked. Hey, watch out for this because again, there are programs that Marshall opened up on Monday, um, and they're two weeks ahead of West Virginia. And the coordination between officials in the state has been really good. So perhaps that there's just some information sharing there and trying to make sure they all do this correctly. Um, promising, I think, too. But, man, it just still surprises me that, I mean, inside of three weeks ago, we were talking about stuff like, you know, no season without students on campus, you know, no games without fans. And so quickly overcome those hurdles and we're moving forward here, too. It's, um, well, it's wild how fast this has developed, but it seems like a, a ton of good progress there, too. Um, and Here like, in Virginia was sorry. Was that was that really a question though about the no no football there no fans? I think both of us laughed at that notion at the moment sure. they tried to say that. I think we all knew that was a joke. Some some posturing on behalf of you know higher ups and in, in trying to trying to preserve the student athlete and academics are just as important. And these guys aren't you know just athletes. So I think. There's never doubt, but I, I I get everything else you're saying, but I was just remember us 
when they whoever it was that came out and said no no football with no at with no students and we were both like yeah okay sure it's just strange i mean again i understand that like you can you can administer courses online um but the general point is that if it's not safe um for one, it's not safe for all. I'm guessing that's what they're saying is that it's safe now. And the state's numbers have been really good, even though they've been open up for a couple of weeks and all the numbers are down. This seems to be going away. Uh, again, I don't know if it's because our focus is elsewhere right now. There's uh, plenty of distraction out there. Um, or if it's just something that maybe has gotten better, too. I'd like to see a lot more attention given to actually what that is right now, especially with so many things changing. You figure you're going to have students back here, too. When you, when you tell student athletes they can come back, I think you're going to see an influx of students. And then, you know, who knows? Because it's, it's going to be hard to tell them that it's okay, but have been trending in the right direction for a while here too. So that should be good. Um, how do you think they'll bring everybody back? I don't think it's crazy to say that what they're going to do uh, on football is what you think and get the head coach and the assistant coaches. in. I would imagine that the strength coaches have to be in soon thereafter because players will be back in week two. And then you maybe get analysts and, and other people in um, it's, it's an army of people, but um, that makes sense too. But players you're talking a hundred plus Guys who've been through it before and probably aren't excited about doing this for a fourth or fifth time, but hey, summer, it's better than doing nothing. And then you have like a handful of people who may need a head start because they're young and perhaps they have to be accelerated. So if you can give them more time, that's even better because they made up for lost time. So perhaps they're in first. Maybe it's by position. Maybe it's by geography. Um, if you're in charge, Chris, how do you how do you get everybody back and how do you use the phasing system? I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, you've had me thinking about that because I was wondering if I'd bring in freshmen first, try to get them going, especially in the weight program. I think that's important just for the whole acclimatization socially and physically, too. Even if it's only a couple of days, just get them used to it so that like, they're not wide-eyed coming in where everybody is already ahead of them naturally, but also because they've been on this transition phase a little bit earlier, too. Yeah, I think I'd have the, the freshmen coming in or all the newcomers even, like the junior college guys as well. Uh, in first and then a couple of days later kind of keep going up the chain all the way up to those fourth and fifth year seniors and then after you get a couple of weeks then you can kind of pair them up into their position groups and then honestly i think if we're if we're going to keep pushing this you know by that point say a month from now or, or yeah i guess a month from now so two weeks after they get to campus more or less um you're still going to probably be sticking with position groups. Maybe wide receivers are also kind of with tight ends and maybe, you, you know, all the off, obviously all the offensive line will be together, or maybe the wide receivers and tight ends will group up with the quarterbacks, but the running backs won't, or the running backs will go with the linemen to do some drills together. But I don't think you're going to see a full like hundred or so group together until almost august i feel like i feel like it's going to be on like a completely separate team whether it be position groups or a couple position groups together but especially not more than offense or defense until absolutely necessary i think it's another really good point too because i think we look at the two two week windows it ends june 29th and then you say all right well i guess what july 1st or maybe after the fourth of july weekend everybody can come back are we confident that all these campuses and all these local governments and all these universities are going to say, Hey, you're good. You know, never mind how many people are in the room, but you're good to have your whole team out there. That's kind of ambitious right now. We'll see. And maybe these phasing ins and these windows are structured that were intended in such a way that I don't want to say experiment. That sounds kind of like, 
I don't know, mean, <laughs> you know, but like maybe it is somewhat of an experiment to say, all right, if we can have these groups and then increase the number of the groups, then thereby increase the size and we don't have any type of a setback. Hey, this is a, a safe environment to actually have offense on one day and defense on the other, or maybe even offense and defense together. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily going to be right away. You might be right. It may be closer to August until the whole team is together, but it could also be situated in a way where, you know, as Brown has planned at West Virginia, maybe everybody's back in the middle of July. It could be the way to go. Whew. Um, speaking of, you know, I said the freshman, I would bring in the freshman first. And I think you said you'd agree with me, right? Or are you, were you leaning think, another way? I think it's a good idea to that. I, I think you have to also look at offensive linemen and defensive linemen. And Brown even said this, their conditioning is going to take longer. Um, they're going to need a different set of um, workouts and goals and areas of focus than perhaps a receiver or a cornerback would. So, there is some weight to be given to positions, I think, but I think there's obvious benefits to having the new guys come in sooner than later, too. So with these new guys coming in, you're you're running through your welcome party series with the, the, the freshmen and, and junior college arrivals. How does that affect these guys? Like, if not only, obviously, um, arriving a little bit later than they usually would, um, I think they'd already be here by now, if not for the NCAA limitations. They'd already be going to in-person classes, probably be working out, doing all this stuff. How do you think this is affecting those freshmen? And, and are there certain positions that it might be affecting more than others? Unfortunately, Lyman is probably one of them because just the strength and conditioning and the you know the wind and the muscle you need to play right away, they're just they're missing out on that for a period of a few weeks at least. And that's that's a lot of time. And you figure they're going to have to probably get themselves into shape before they actually get into the desired shape. So I, I think you might scratch all the offensive linemen off this year, which you might otherwise do ordinarily. But I wonder about defensive linemen. We've talked about uh, Sean Martin and Akeem Mesidor. To what effect um, are they sidetracked this year? To what extent are they sidetracked this season because of this period? Um, do you get them back? Do you get them here earlier? Because they could be guys who give you a season on the defensive line, maybe. Um, you know, David Vincent O'Coley, probably good enough to play right away. Um, and maybe doesn't need as long of a runway as perhaps a various sparrow or running back would. Um, and then he's going to have a chance to get on the field this year. I would think, I don't think there's a ton of, you know, traffic in front of him for playing time this year, but is he going to be able to get physically and mentally acclimated? Brown seems to think, and you can tell me more about this. Brown seems to think that the, the new guys could be further ahead mentally. And if you think about what positions require some mental preparation from high school to college, running back would probably be one of them just to learn how to you know, read gas, work your offensive line and all that stuff. Receiver, not so much. Cornerback, not so much. Safety, maybe. But you're looking at a sliding scale here. What are the more mentally intensive positions as far as preparation for a first-year guy? that don't require as much physical time. That's where I would kind of start. And then I would think, you know, a corner could probably play as long as he's good about his physical preparation. A running back, maybe harder than normal. Um, you know, linebackers, those those bandit slash wills that, that we talked about, those edge guys that, that they recruited, I think they're going to have a hard time getting on the field this year. Do you see a sliding scale there? I do. And I think you mentioned one of them. The first one that came to my mind was that cornerback safety split. Because I think a cornerback – as long as you're physically capable, it's an easier kind of scheme and, and different things to handle. It's it's defend your man, stay here in this 
But at safety, you really have to be able to read the whole field, and you're going to have to adjust. You're going to have to slide up, slide down, slide over, and and read the quarterback, read where the play is going. While quarterback, you're kind of more narrowly focused on shutting down this receiver. And so I think guys, like you said, the cornerback like David Vincent O'Coley, still possible to, to make an impact as a true freshman if he's playing a corner. Uh, some of those other guys that might end up more as a safety, um, they might need some extra time uh, because they're going to have their position requires a little more versatility, a little more knowledge, something that you can't get without, you know, actually being on the field and getting reps, kind of like running through holes and having that vision in running back. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know what would be really handy to have at this point of an offseason when everybody's coming back? Hmm. A nutritionist. Uh-huh. And suddenly, it's not a big fair and fair position, but West Virginia does not have a football uh, I guess nutritionist right now, dietitian nutritionist. Um, the person who held that job since October is now at Boston College. The job was posted, I believe, on Monday. Um, and that's pretty much the person who constructs diets and eating habits for um, the football players. You know, what's at the training table? You know, what can they cook on their own? How do you educate them to eat themselves? Basically, their diet and their nutrition habits come from one person. Now, there's a department, I'm sure, of people who can capably do that, but not somebody who's in charge. Um, that is an overlooked, over, um, overlooked, underrated position. For some reason, they've had a hard time keeping one here. I don't think there's anything fishy about it. I just think it's not a really an easy job. You're talking constant work with kids to try to make sure they eat right. That's got to be infuriating during this time of the pandemic. That's not why the person left. She has roots in Boston College. She's back or at Boston. She's back at BC. I think that probably explains it. But can you imagine going into this time where you're welcoming everybody back? You're trying to whip them into shape. Um, you're hoping to feed them right. And you don't have a person in charge. That's tough. That is really tough. I can't even. I mean, I can't even think about the things that I ate when I was in college, and how a nutritionist would be revolted by this, and how hard they would have had to have worked to kept me eating correctly. And I imagine it's the same for most everybody, especially these athletes that are probably need it because it, it's different. They probably need like six thousand calories a day just to 
to function with how much they work and how much they work out. And you have to find a good 6,000 calories, not just any 6,000 calories. And you really need those nutritionists to help you. Yeah. So they have a coordinator of sports nutrition. That's not the director of sports nutrition. So they had a director for football and they have a coordinator. Um, so that's probably the way they're going to go with this, I guess here. I'm actually looking at this right now and it's not a name I recognize at all. So perhaps they filled the position. I don't even know it. This is great audio. <laughs> I'm completely <laughs> got off guard by this. But anyways, my point being that was that that's one of those things that you talk about, about getting a whole team revved up again. Uh, it's all inclusive. It's not just how do we teach them, you know, our plans, our schemes, how do we get them strong enough, fast enough, you know, injury prevention, durable, all those things too. But man, you know, how they eat, what their academics are, there's a lot going on there too. And boy, if you have, just have one rung off, if you have somebody who's not, you know, for example, overseeing their nutrition, or if you have, you know, part of the department without the head, it's just not ideal. And you need everything to be ideal right now to get this thing working perfectly too. Um, speaking of ideal, roster one step closer to completion here with a punter. I think a punter, but a guy who's kicked and punted, but sounds like he'll be the punter. Tyler Sumter from Troy coincidentally enough, um, who has a pretty unique story that we've described in, in some detail already on the site. But the big number here is that two slash three, where they have two scholarships or three scholarships. You add a punter after adding two defensive transfers, but the punter doesn't really affect anything because Tyler Sumter will walk on as a postgraduate student. Yeah, which is not something you often see. Somebody going postgrad to go to a new program for a few months uh, and pay their own way. And when, especially somebody who's as good as him, somebody who is going to make an impact. Uh, I mean, I know some people roll their eyes and say punter, but um, it's important to have a good punter. Found out out last year, had a really good one in Groudon uh, last year, and Sumter should step right in and take over that role. And he says he's going to compete for the kicking job if he wants to. And he, he kicked for Troy. He was their place kicker. Uh, 39 of 51, I think, is what I'd I had put on there is what I looked up before, mm -hmm. but he, um, yeah, he won't make an imp he won't make an impact on those scholarship numbers, and and that kind of caught me off guard. I assumed he was. Um, it seemed like a big deal. I, uh, you know, Brian Brennett, director of player personnel, reaching out to him within 30 minutes of him entering the portal tells me he was a priority, and then I I also thought that uh, only scholarship players could come in during that first phase of the players coming to campus. All right. I, I What's the deal with it, that? I, but it's also walk-ons too. So it's, um, he will, he plans on being there in two weeks and will compete for the starting punter job and maybe the starting kicker job and won't even take up a spot on the scholarship chart. What do you think this says about one position, the other position or both for 2020 and beyond? Well, I was, Curious to see where Colton McGee would go because he was one of the top rated kickers and punters coming out of high school. And he had been working with both. And I think he had been leaning more towards punter. Um, maybe he's a kicker now. I know he was listed as a backup. Uh, we'll have to go look at old depth chart, but he was listed as a backup at one point. I think he traveled, right? When we got, you mm -hmm. think how many times we did those travel rosters? I'd remember this, but um he was on there. He traveled with a team. He's got some versatility, but he is still young. So I could see them giving him an extra year. But, uh, I mean, Evan Staley was better earlier in his career than he was most recently, but he is still 
you know, a somewhat reliable, a, a division one type kicker. So I'm curious, I'm curious to see what they do with Sumter if they really truly allow him to do both. Cause I have yet to get that impression for, it's been a long time over a lot of, di- of several different staffs of not asking guys to do both punting and kicking. Although Sumter did it at Troy. So I'm curious to see if they'll let him truly do both. I think it probably, this is my read and it's from afar. I think they're okay with kicker. Um, they like Staley, obviously, and he was a little injured last year in the preseason. I think it caught up to him. And they really like Casey Lay. I would not discount him as a part of this, too. Like, they have faith in that guy, and he's only going to get better and better. He's so new to this, but I think he'll get better. I think it probably talks about McGee and the fact that he's probably the kicker of the future. I don't think it's the fact that he can't punt. I wonder if it's because, hey, focus on kicking for a year. You'll have three full seasons as a college kicker if you like it. Um, and that presumes he doesn't get it this year, but there's some traffic in front of him, obviously. But they don't want him perhaps swinging that leg like a punter for a year and getting mechanics um, further away from where they ideally want him to be as a kicker. I think that's realistic. I'm not sure if that's reality, but I think it's a realistic view of this. Hey, as long as you can find an answer for either or both of them, I think anybody will be happy because uh, we've seen what happens when West Virginia does not have a good punter or does not have a good kicker and and how much it can swing swing an entire season. Monday, I feverishly texted you and demanded Tyler Sumter's phone number. <laughs> yes, you did. Because I knew that he had committed, and I think that we had a hunch of this middle of last week. Is that correct? Yeah. So it happened, and it happens on a Sunday, and, and frankly, it was just a, a transaction to me. And I thought we kind of thought it was coming, and it happened, and okay, note it, retweet it, go. Um, I did not go down the rabbit hole until Monday and saw the welcome video that he created for himself. Mm-hmm. And I just want to put this into perspective. He is a walk-on transfer punter from the Sunbelt Conference to West Virginia. Um, I've talked to him, and I've obviously written about him. I do not mean those words in any denigrating fashion, but it's just not the high-profile thing that you would expect. He put together an announcement video that's really intriguing and was strategic and everything had a message and everything had a, uh, an intent and a meaning in there too. Um, a pretty thoughtful kid who's, I, I'm telling you, there's a whole lot to his backstory that he and I are going to tell soon here. I think I don't want to give it all away. Uh, really interesting kid. Um, his family, um, an adopted sister, his family's from West Virginia. He's got a lot of character and personality to him too. And he's a punter at West Virginia. This all just seems to make sense right now too. Yes, sir. That, that seems to be, if you punt at West Virginia, you better be just a little bit strange. Need you a little bit off off center uh, to really kind of hit the mark. As there's, um, and I mean that in the nicest way possible because we love those kind of guys. And and Pat McAfee was that. Uh, O'Toole was that. Um, Groudon, the Australian crazy man. Like that. It, it's starting to run in the family. It's starting to become a thing. Groudon was very cool, too. Uh, I think if he had been here a lot longer or even a little bit longer, he would have become even more of a fan favorite than he did. I think that Sumter is on his way, though. Um, If you haven't read it, (laughs) because this is what I do, whether it's a pandemic or not, I spent way too much time on the video and then talking to Sumter about it. He broke everything down for me, like all the little elements of what they meant, um, what the, the scripting and the execution was, what cameras they used. It was all with two cameras and then a drone. 
later on, the drone actually hit a tree and crashed in the lake or the, the, the stream they were in. Um, so they worried that the footage was lost. And it, it's a really cool explanation of a very surprising video, too. Um, and he said that, like, he was just kind of fed up with everybody getting to do a commitment video, but doing the same thing. And he wanted to do something different. So if you haven't seen it, it's a cool story, not because I wrote it, but because a pretty cool story was told by a guy who has a pretty cool story to tell. Um, go check that one out here. Last one, Chris. Um, stories to tell. Uh, put on our, our serious society hat here, too. Tuesday had large, organized, peaceful protests in Morgantown. And out front, a lot of sports figures, names and faces from West Virginia. Football players, basketball players, uh, players from other sports, too. Obviously, football and basketball, the high-profile ones. Uh, Larry Harrison from basketball, Neil Brown from football. Just sticking with those two sports. And we're out there doing what is happening you know, throughout our country right now, too. It's happening in Morgantown, just outside the police station. Um, what you've seen on TV, except that it was peaceful. And it was coordinated and organized and, and just kind of did what it intended to do. And nothing bad happened from it. But, you know, start, finish, a point was made um, in the message, but also in that it didn't escalate into anything else, too. I'm heartened because I didn't see anything negative about the involvement of players or coaches. And I just didn't know what that was going to do to people behind keyboards um, on a Tuesday afternoon in June. But uh, all things considered here, it's perhaps not a big deal because it's happening everywhere. But it's perhaps a big deal because, you know, college sports is out in front of it and it went pretty smoothly. Yeah, I think it was it was kind of the ideal way to go about that players got involved coaches got involved they used their platform they used their status to help um, amplify the message that they wanted to get out there uh, they went out there with all the people um, from around town that they may not have the same status as them and walked with them it was very peaceful they got their point across and they got it out to more people because they got involved and like you said it, it felt good that that it didn't escalate, and like you said, that that there re- there was no pushback. I, I saw nothing, and in the world we're in today, uh, you know, social media and online, there's always some jerk that's got to say something to be, you know, contrarian and, and a jerk about everything. And I didn't see much of that, and I didn't see hardly any of that, which is makes me feel good. Uh, I'm so I'm glad they were able to do that. I'm glad they got their point across, and I'm glad that nobody was a jerk or the jerks at least stayed home. This is the best part to me. Um, over the weekend when social media started to populate with coaches from college football, college basketball, putting their messages out there, um, the graphics, some did videos, some did you know like Neil Brown notes on his iPhone, but put something out there, and the majority of them said, you know, I will do my part in the process you know I'm, I'm happy to participate in it and not one of them said i'm going to lead the way it put on players to to really have a voice and to have ambition and to take initiative and i'm not sure that west virginia's football and basketball or baseball or soccer players initiated this today but they participated in it too and i think that makes people uncomfortable sometimes you know stick to sports dribble a ball throw a football um, you know, politics and sports don't mix. You know, we, we know that. <laughs> and I don't know how you could have one without the other right now, too. And more importantly, I don't know how you could expect 
you know, young adults who are being raised to succeed after basketball and after football. I don't know how you can do that with any sincerity and not let them or even nudge them into participating in this because that is very much a part of the life that they're going to encounter when they are done with football or basketball or baseball or soccer or whatever. So that was good to see. And on top of that, you know, again, maybe players didn't lead it, but they were out there and then their coaches did participate in it too. And that was good for me to see. And again, the fact that nobody lashed out and said, you know, go work on your free throws, you know, go work on your tackling, go work on your run blocking. Um, that was good too, because this is what would really bug me about this too. And why I'm glad to see it happen. You, you can't tell me that, we need sports to get back to normal, to get out from under this pandemic. We need our college football so we can advance as a society. You can't tell me that sports and these student athletes fulfill that role, but that they're not allowed to otherwise advance society in an area that is extremely important to them and to society in general too. It would have been a complete disconnect unplugged from reality. And for the most part, it seems like that, None of that existed, and this was encouraged and celebrated and condoned, which is, like you said, and like I said, that's kind of heartening because who knew what was going to happen? Yeah, and was uh, I, I've seen plenty from Bob Huggins on social media as well, not only posts, uh, he wrote something, made a video as well. I, that may have been a part of I saw other Big 12 coaches right there with him with a similar hashtag and video. Um, and and he's been involved in and been and Neil Brown as well and the assistant coaches. We've seen a lot of the assistant coaches kind of step in and, and encourage their players to speak their minds and to step up and, and take part in this if they choose to take part of this. And they're not discouraging people from talking. They're not discouraging people from participating, which is also, I think, a very positive thing um, to have that kind of support from the coaches and people you look up to. And imagine, too, if they had been quieted or discouraged or just not allowed to do something like this. And you're going to tell me I got to throw a football for you in two weeks. All right. Um, you, so let's to this, too. Um, these are not the same issues, but you and I have talked about this now a couple of times, too. We have not seen any sort of opposition from players to organize or unionize or otherwise mobilize against coming back to campus, which could happen. Who knows? Like if, if things pop up that are bad in the next week to 10 days, perhaps there's going to be some hesitance to go back to football. Um, I think the power is within them, and I wasn't sure that was the case before. I think that there's like an actual um, awareness of their position now. Maybe it's because of just constant frustrations from being, let's say, exploited by the NCAA process. That now they have some name, image, and likeness. They have a chance to market themselves, um, and now they've done something like this. Uh, and it's not just here; it's it's happening in a lot of places. Players are getting arrested for being part of protests. It's crazy, but I think they, they look around and they say, "Wait, well, we can." we can push the envelope. We can have a voice. We can be a little bit more authoritative. And I don't know that it's going to impact at all when they do get back on campus. I think by and large, they'll be happy to, but I wonder if there's any question now as if they see something that's wrong, will they have, will they have the nerve to speak up about it? If they're not happy about safety or testing or screening or any type of protections, um, I don't think that there's going to be any reservation on their part to, to speak up about it. No. And, and I think it's kind of, uh, at the professional level, now we're talking college, of course, but at the professional level, there's been that that kind of trend towards player empowerment, and and I think it's happening in college too. It was already turning that direction, and this these kind of situations can really only help that, and and might keep going. I'm out of topics here, um, and we got a good, uh, very important Q and A to go prep for too, right? 
Well, I got one more quote. We'll try to make it quick. We again, cool. we've run long, but I I thought about this while we were while we were talking earlier, and I'll try not to make it too long. But uh, saw the other day where the Big Twelve announced the revenue for the year that they would be distributing mm. everywhere, just one million less than last year. Your thought? What are your immediate thoughts when I tell you that? So. I'm curious on this. They were expecting 1.5 to 1.8 million less because of a loss of revenue from postseason basketball, men's and women's conference tournament in NCAA. They they expected to be down. I forget what it is, but uh, it was going to be about 1.5 to 1.8 million less. It came in below that. You're saying I think it's 1.1, correct? So they also said when they addressed the fact that they were going to be between one and a half and two million dollars short, that they had the ability to quote make teams whole which meant they would dig into the Big 12's reserve fund and cover up that $1.5 to $1.8 million difference. Did they not, or could they not, or would they make them whole over a period of time? Perhaps that's, you know, three-quarters of the difference this year and and 25% next year. That would make some sense if we're talking about a long-term financial impact, but I'm assuming that there is some make-whole mechanism in there. I, I can't think of this as great news, but I also can't think of it as terrible news either. Yeah, my immediate thought, and you're right. It was 37.7, which is 1.1 less than last year. I don't know what they were expecting. You know, more. You know, I think most people would expect more year over year. Um, but that's my thought. Was hey, that's that's pretty darn good uh, for any, especially for college athletics to be getting, you know, basically 97 percent of what they got last year. Um, and so I was I was curious. What your thoughts were on that? I was wondering if, you know, because what the the, it, the cuts and the furloughs and everything that West Virginia went through, and, and most all colleges have gone through, but West Virginia in particular were for three million, right? And they were trying to get to five, but then this only comes in one short of last year. I was curious if that changed any of those numbers, if that changed their outlook. Um, obviously, it's kind of small potatoes when it comes to the impact football may or may not have on the numbers, but, um, I don't know. I, I think, I think I was, I personally, and maybe nobody else was expecting worse. I was expecting lower, much lower. Yeah. I think the issue again, and I need to articulate my point better here. Um, they were, they were projecting about 40 million. Right. Okay. And they ended up, they ended up 30, what'd you say? 37, three, 37, seven. Yeah. 37, seven. So you're talking 2.3, which means if you lost 1.5 to 1.8, you're still about halfway in between there. Um, and it's, does the payout account for the, you know, the make whole mechanism? I don't know. So it's not great in that it's not higher. That's understood though, because of the conditions, does that mean that the hit was harder or does it mean that even if they hadn't taken the hit, were they still going to be a little bit below? Um, I don't know. I also don't know how the TV payouts work too. Um, I, I think it'd be silly to think that for across all, what is it? 13 years that you're going to get 20 million every time. It's probably lower at the hot, at the bottom end of the, it's probably lower at the early end of the contract and it inflates naturally toward the end, which means it's probably higher than 20 because you're more than halfway through um, that 13 year deal. So it should be higher than 20, which means that it should be easier to get toward those projections. So there, there is something curious there that we don't quite know the math about right now. Okay. That was, that was the only topic I had left to, to extend our already long podcast but now we're 18 minutes early (laughs) all right we still have to go prep for our very important q a check that online today and then uh plenty of content free vip 
video podcasts written word all that stuff coming up at 24 7 sports earsports.com in particular uh that's all my business chris do you have any that is it all right well that is all for this time we will see you next time i'm mike casaza and i'm chris anderson we'll talk to you later